0: It's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Y'all, again, I say it every, I say it every, I say it every week. I know I do. And I mean it every week. I am so excited to have the conversation with my guest today. So she is the founder and CEO of Rosalie Consulting, and she is a coach and consultant to social change makers. I have with me
1: today, Hetty Nam. Hi, Hetty. Hi, Shonda. Thank you so much for having me here and shout out to your listeners. Yes. So y'all, we we literally
0: just spent 20 minutes having a dope conversation <laughs> that Jay is super mad that we did not hit record on. <laughs> it was so good. So we're going to try to just continue where we are um, in this conversation. So Hetty, I'm going to start for the listeners and continue for us by asking what I ask all of my guests which is what is your labor of love.
1: Um thank you so much Shonda for that question. I feel like you're changing so many lives just by asking this question because it asks us to pause and be intentional about mm. how we're showing up and where we put our all of the life force and energy and time that we're given. And so um I thought a lot about what are all the different things I do and where I landed was my labor of love is choosing to engage daily in an intentional manner in my own personal and our collective liberation journey and supporting in my role as consultant and coach other folks engaging in their personal and contributing to the collective overall liberation so many words in
0: there were so good yes. like intentional mm-hmm. personal collective um but i'm going to hone in on liberatory journey and ask you to define that for us when you say liberatory what does that mean
1: and and how is it a journey
0: yeah so
1: liberation very simply is freedom And I think there is a journey all of us take in life towards greater and greater expressions of the inherent freedom that we're born with because when we come into the world, even before we're born, we're inheriting culture, um, history, many different things that shape how we're conditioned and socialized from a young age. And there's beautiful parts of culture that shape us into our greatest selves but there are also there's oppression and suffering in the world and some of our oppression is from material conditions or social or political but a lot of the liberation journey our limits on freedom is our spiritual mental health and the ways that we internalize and meaning make what the society around us and those who were in relationship around us, how they react, how they're responding to us. And we make up these stories that form a lot of limiting beliefs that, um, you know, cause us to constrict and not be as free and self-expressed and not claim our full agency. So I say that liberation is a journey because it's that journey of starting with where you are and knowing that you are meant for freedom. You're meant for self-expression and then going on that journey on your own and in community. And I just can't um, separate the personal and collective because your reality, like in this conversation, your reality is shaping my reality and my reality shaping your reality in this conversation. And so both of the personal work that you and I do, Shonda, it's adding up to collective. So the more that we're oppressed or we're liberated, that's feeding into our collective space. And so that's why I distinguish personal and collective. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, you started off by one of our pre-recorded conversation Mm -hmm. by saying, and you're so right, this is like an extension of my podcast with Sage, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's almost like picking up, um, continuing on tracks that were laid. So for disclosure, Hetty and I, um, we're in CHDL together, coaching for healing, justice, and liberation. Woo woo! <laughs> Cohort two, we graduated together, as with Sage, right? So so much of it, these conversations, like y'all, we we had these conversations weekly,
1: mm-hmm. if not more. Yes.
0: And so I appreciate being able to kind of get back into the reciprocal nature of being able to have these conversations while you were talking. So many things were coming up for me. And one of the things that I was really sitting with was liberation and freedom sound good Mm -hmm. in theory. I believe they are good. Mm -hmm. They sound good in theory, and we really got to be real. Mm-hmm. A lot of our liberation, our collective liberation, our individual freedoms, they cost mm-hmm. a lot. Like there is a cost to freedom and liberation. And it can be scary. And it doesn't, it's not always, I was going to say, it doesn't always feel safe. It's not always safe.
1: No. So when not.
0: we, if I think about, you know, descendants, or African people who were stolen from their continent and Mm -hmm. brought to different lands and enslaved. Freedom sounded good in theory. Mm -hmm. To not be oppressed, to not be physically hurt, to not toil and labor for someone else's gain while... Conditions were deplorable and inhumane. To not have that that experience sounds really good. Like I want to be free from this. Mm-hmm. But the journey to liberation and freedom was hard and scary. And there were so many obstacles. Um so I was thinking about that and and the implications yeah. for our own spiritual, emotional, mental freedoms and liberation. And also the systems that are set up are set up to, what am I saying? They're set up to create the illusion that where we are is where we're supposed to be. And that in fact, this is good. Like, the number of times that enslaved folks were told, this is the life. You get fed. Mm -hmm. You got somewhere to stay. Like, this is good. And so then I think about current day and the enslavement that we have emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. and spiritually. And how many times we're told, you good? Mm -hmm. You good? It almost makes you want to question Well, is it good? Well, if I'm dissatisfied with this, what's wrong with me? And so when you were talking, it's like, man, that's why in part we do what we do. Mm -hmm. Just for somebody to come along and say, I'm not satisfied here. And for us to go, yeah. And they go, oh, so I'm not crazy.
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm not,
0: I'm not losing my mind. Oh, wait. So it is okay to not want to be here. So that that
1: just feels like powerful, powerful work. Yes. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Chanda. Um, I think it is important to acknowledge that um, searching for freedom and stepping into it can feel uncomfortable, terrifying. And sometimes it's risking all that you have right now. I mean, you talk about slavery, one of my heroes and ancestors is Harriet Tubman, Um, and I say ancestor in that I venerate her as an American who has influenced and shaped our history, and I've learned a lot from her, and one of my meditation teachers actually wrote a book about Harriet Tubman, about the inner underground railroad, Mm. and in the work, you can't bypass the fact that um, to escape from slavery or to help a slave Escape to freedom was illegal. It was punishable. If you got caught as a runaway slave, you would probably face worse conditions than the slave labor, um, like consequences, death, torture, all these things. And then those people who are on the Underground Railroad, they were risking their lives, they were violating federal laws and putting their lives on the line and their communities, their businesses, their families um, if they got caught. And so, yes, there is this element of risk, but then what's the alternative? You know, Harriet knew that she was supposed to be free. And in fact, when you look at the papers, her the person who bought her grandmother as a slave wrote in his last will and testament That Harriet's mother and all of her mother's descendants were to be freed when her mother was 45. That man passed away and his children decided not to honor their father's last will and testament because they're like, these are these slaves are assets that we can't give up. And so not only did Harriet realize the evil of slavery, but she found this out. In her teenage years and she was determined to get to freedom and she of course she wanted her whole entire family to come and they weren't ready to come and in fact she ran away with two of her brothers one time and they were in the woods cold and hungry and thirsty and they said let's go back because at least there we have food and she was like i can't believe i let them convince me to go back And they face the consequences of running away. And at that point, she told herself, I'm going to get free, even if my family and my beloveds don't come with me. And she is a hella fierce woman. And I often draw inspiration, not because I am living in conditions of slavery, but I see very often the mental, emotional, spiritual chains that I have. From my spiritual from my social conditioning and part of this book by spring washam is harriet's spirit returning now to talk about the inner underground railroad work that we all have to do and so yeah thank you so much for naming that it's it's not easy at times it sounds good but it requires everything that you have within you at times
0: Girl, so many things. Like, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh my god, all the directions I want to go. I know one way that I want to go. I'm gonna save that for a second. Thank you for evoking, period spirit, in this conversation. I thought about, and I, I, I will admit, I am feeling particularly emotional. Now, a multitude of them I, I I wouldn't even be I couldn't name just one. and i I'm allowing my body to have that moment, mm-hmm. you know, the sensations, the chills, the the holding my breath and then go, "Oh, you're holding your breath," and then huh, the sigh mm-hmm. and and all of that as I hear that, one of the things that really stuck out to me is i over the last, i would say week or so, what I've had a difficult time articulating but I feel much more equipped to articulate it right now as you were sharing is I know that I am committed to continue moving towards my own freedom and collective liberation and I am committed to bringing as many folks with me who will come Mm-hmm. But I also realize, and and it's nothing, nothing no one person has done, it's not a thing that someone has done, but there's this inner awareness that's growing within me that I'm about to outgrow some relationships. Mm. And as a person who grew up as an only child, who has always craved connection mm-hmm. and has gone through a whole lot of stuff, um, where I have traded and ransomed parts of myself for those relationships. There are parts of me that fear isolation and being alone and loneliness. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is as there's this intuitive growing understanding that in order to move to the next level, personal freedom and collective liberation, everybody can't come with me. Everybody don't want to come with me. Everybody Uh doesn't want to come. Mm-hmm. And I think the tension is those same people, though, they don't want to lose me. Yeah. Like, I cannot imagine that Harriet's family was like, gone, go ahead. No, they like, uh uh-uh. uh, we are not about to go out there and risk that. Please just stay. Like, we don't want to lose you. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to go. So, mm-hmm. th- when we find ourselves in these places, when we are moving towards, again, that freedom and liberation, the tension is not wanting to lose the relationships, but not being willing to stay where the relationships are and inability or a lack of capacity for those relationships to move with you.
1: Yeah. And I just want to name that's hard. I want to name that's sad. It is hard. And I'm feeling that so hard in my body, Shonda, because the family that I come from, I'm the only one that's engaged in therapy the one, only one who's done coaching. Um, And there's a lot of trauma in my family. And, you know, I still walk with my family members and I still hold them dear in my heart, but they are not necessarily the ones that are next to me on this trail. Yeah. And that can be really sad. There's a lot of grief around that. And as you're sharing, I'm also thinking... Even if someone is not meant to be sharing the experience of a particular part of your life journey, how you still carry them with you Mm -hmm. and the very freedoms that you expand into for yourself, all of those, um, the, it shapes the way you show up in the world and it's literally cultivating a freer world for those people if and when they choose to go on that journey. And so we don't know how time is gonna work and when, if and when those folks are gonna come back into our lives or if they're gonna realize something through our example. Um, And I have to say, that's a very vulnerable thing, especially when there's a lot of love. But yes, to like, what are the choices that you have? in that to keep yourself small or to say, I love myself and you enough to expand beyond our relationship at this moment in time. And it is not about I'm better than you. I'm leaving you behind. But this part of the journey, we're not going to be walking together.
0: That's beautiful. And I feel like that gives that expanded something for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because when you said it, my first thought was how we will sometimes we're so animate to hold on to relationships. And I understand why that we try to scoop people up and put them on our backs and carry Mm -hmm. them with us. And so we're my, my, my partner and I, we're wrestling fans and Mm -hmm. it was WrestleMania this weekend. So we watched a lot of wrestling and it's all, I, you know, I can't help it. I see it for the entertainment, but I'm always taking something deeper. And what's Mm -hmm. always interesting to me with the different wrestlers and their different moves is there have some where you'll pick up a person. And if you pick up a person who's not moving, Mm -hmm. you know, that is a different kind of pressure than you trying to scoop somebody up who's resistant and fighting and how much more strength and energy and effort it takes to pick someone up and do something with someone who is resistant to what you're trying to do with Mm -hmm. them and so my first thought was like I don't have the energy capacity or desire to pick somebody up who is kicking and fighting and doesn't want to come but there was something very beautiful about the way you painted the picture of preparing the space for when and if they're ready Mm -hmm. that my body settled Mm -hmm. yeah right I I I don't have to convince anyone. I don't have to pick up anyone and try to drag them with me. There doesn't have to be an indictment on mm-hmm. their character or who they are. Mm-hmm. I just got to do what I got to do. And some of the people I think of first are my my nuclear family, my children, my partner, right? As we walk and we are continuing to shape, impact the world so it can be better for our children than mm-hmm. it has been. There are so many people who are going to benefit from that who aren't, aren't our children. And and that that's hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Underground Railroad at some point was built as it was walked. Mm-hmm. But after that, it became a thing that was in place. So once the people who five, six, 10 trips later were mm-hmm. ready to embark, those things were already in place. And so, you know, what what does it look like to know that it can feel lonely and isolating? But what I've also found is I might be temporarily or sometimes permanently leaving some relationships behind. But, oh, wow, the relationships that I come into along the journey.
1: Yeah. And just on that, I think of Harriet's example again of she wanted to she wanted freedom for herself. And it was tied to the collective because she wanted everyone to know that slavery is wrong. This is a evil, nobody should be a slave. And she wanted to show slaves, people who were enslaved that they could be free. And she wanted to embody that example first. Then she made the trip, this harrowing journey 13 more times and she rescued most of her family. The first person she went back for was her niece. And it, like you said, If someone's coming along on the journey and trusting her as a conductor and is voluntarily committing to it, regardless of all the ups and downs, that's one thing. But if someone was going to be resistant, she can't have that because it would blow up the whole Underground Railroad and put everyone, not just herself and the people on the journey, but all those stops along the way of Mm -hmm. people who would um, give food and shelter and all that stuff. And so she was pretty fierce about who she selected. And I'm also practicing Buddhist. And I know that the Buddha, even though was about enlightenment for everyone, when he was alive, it's written that he never taught anyone who didn't come and seek him. So he did not go out and try to convince anyone. He just said, I'm a human just like you. And I'm on this path. And if you want to be on this path, I will walk with you. I will learn from you. I will teach you, but I'm not going to force you to do this. And a lot of people come around, you know, but yeah. it's not necessarily going to happen on a time frame that, you know, makes that part of us that longs for that companionship from specific people feel satisfied. But this is what we were talking about before the show of like how we can also give ourselves love to all those little parts that come up and get scared of like, it's okay. It doesn't mean that you are abandoning this person or this relationship. It means that it looks different right now and you are allowed to be sad. You're allowed to grieve and look around you at who is showing up to Mm -hmm. walk with you on this part of the journey.
0: That's so deep and so real because... One thing I realized about my business that wasn't as intentional on my part initially, but now is very intentional, is I really have never gone to someone else and been like, hey, can I train you? Hey, can I work with you? It, it's really been a lot of word of mouth and and, and referrals. But now I'm adamant. I I I want to work with people who are ready to work. I want to move with people who are ready to move Mm -hmm. because, again, no no time, no energy, and no desire to convince folks. And I don't say that with a level of arrogance because I have the way or Mm -hmm. what I'm—no, I just—I don't have people to convince that what I'm doing is right for me, Mm -hmm. let alone for them. I spent a lifetime— For 30 some years justifying my existence. Mm -hmm. And I reckon I'm no longer justifying my existence. And I I'm getting more and more comfortable with people who don't get it or disagree. Mm -hmm. I'm creating enough space to go, and that's okay. They that that it really is okay. But I also don't have to justify or explain or convince. If people are genuinely curious, let's have the conversation. If people move straight into judgment, that's, that's not my, that's not my problem. That's not my issue, but mm-hmm. I won't sit here and pretend that it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I I won't pretend that I don't get sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my family experienced something recently where we were intentionally excluded from a community that we are in proximity to, mm. but very clearly not wanted. Mm. And I sat I sh- <laughs> the struggle was I was literally sitting with myself talking out loud, like, on one hand, I don't even understand why I'm upset because like it's not like I want to be a part of the community. It's not like I'm like, oh, like I wanted to be there. But on the other hand, it's like you didn't give me an opportunity to decline. Then on the other, yeah, I only got two hands, but on the other foot, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> what, all these appendages I'm using, like, and then there was this idea of, wow, like, you legit didn't want us there. Mm. It, it It is so obvious that we were not wanted. Mm. And then also, I'm grateful. Because now I know. Mm-hmm. Now I know. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to act. Let you know, this gets yeah. to be what it is. So they're, they're I I'm sharing that because I don't know. I we live in a very unfortunate binary culture that's like, well, right. either you're this or you're that and I'm like nah I'm that that a couple more things and then something else that pops up and and leaves and keeps popping up like I'm all that and I get to be that so it's it's permission giving for myself and others to say like that mess that you're feeling that's Mm -hmm. okay
1: yeah you get to be messy I love that and that's exactly the personal liberation journey I heard like I felt it right in my chest when you said, spent 30 years justifying my existence. And that's something I deeply relate to. And then to have this experience now where it's being made obvious in whatever ways that you are not wanted, that can be extremely triggering for someone who wants that sense of belonging and is going to work towards it. And in that moment, allowing yourself to not be stuck in a binary of like, F them, don't need them, or whatever it is, and say like, I'm feeling all of these things. I'm not repressing, I'm not blocking, and then I'm going to figure out how to go forward from here. That's liberation. Mm Mm-hmm. Not to be like clear. liberation is possible. It's it so is. within our reach. But we design liberation to be like when we achieve something, when we're no longer bothered by this. Or and I'm like, is that realistic? Um, it's for me, it's more freeing to be like, I can be myself regardless of whatever situation or environment comes up. And freedom is when you got the degree, when you got the, you know, have a mortgage and you're no longer renting or whatever those things. And I'm like, liberation is so possible within these moments. And that moment when you allow yourself to be sad, there's an expansion there instead Mm -hmm. of a constriction. Out of a constriction comes expansion. And I wonder how that allows you to show up even bigger in all of the other moments that follow.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be clear. I had several F them moments. Yes. constriction. It's all part and of the it was process. Like, oh, it's right. And not having to deny that, not
1: mm-hmm. having
0: to keep that a secret, you know, and, and what I realize is how, how I've navigated the world and the body that I'm in has been a lot of, and this is indicative of oppressive systems. Oppressive systems thrive when the microscope uh, with a laser beam called shame Mm -hmm. is pointed at the individual and not at the circumstances or conditions. So in addition to spending 30 some years of my life justifying my existence, that also part of that also meant when something happened and I felt hurt or wronged the first thing to do would go what did I do wrong Mm
1: -hmm. so I
0: had moments to go well what was it was it this and then I had to just those parts they get a voice and I get to say we 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 existed Mm -hmm. and and what I can say is within this particular group of people I've been the most authentic that I've been my whole life I'm continuing to grow and Mm -hmm. show that but then I got to say okay what I can say is, if I'm excluded, the real me was excluded. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Unlike 10 years ago in my life, it would have been like, ooh, I don't even know which mask I was wearing. Which part mm-hmm. of me are they excluding? Ooh, which part don't they like? Because I'm so busy shape- shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't actually know. Maybe they'll like the real me because I they haven't seen the real. Now I'm like, oh, no, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Because I have been authentic me. And there is there is freedom in that. Yes, there is freedom in that just to be like, okay, but what I can say is you got the real you got the authentic me. And it the part that I have to keep coming back to is as a young person, safety, connection and community meant people had to like me. Mm-hmm. And so shapeshifting was a result of well, people have to like me, and people like different things. So once I know what a person or a group of people like, then I can just become that, and they'll like me, right? Yes. Well, freedom is authenticity. Yes. And there is no way to please everybody. Period. No. If you're if you're gonna be authentic, and so there is a part that feels really good to go like, and yet I'm still who I am. And I'm mm-hmm. authentic. And when I'm real, I'm not lacking community. Mm-hmm. So it's the younger parts of me that are like, but why don't they like us? Like, yes. wait a minute. We everyone's supposed to like us. And it's like, oh, sweetie. I didn't have anyone growing up that told yeah. me everybody is not supposed to like you, honey. And that's okay. Yeah. Right? The people who do, man what deep community you can form with them. So now I got to go back and reparent those parts mm-hmm. of myself. So when yes. it's like, but they don't like us and it's, and that's okay. And, yes. and, and, and it might not even be like, what I also have to realize is they might like you, but honey, you keep showing up authentically. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that bright, that light is so bright. It, it can be, it can be a lot. Mm -hmm. And when I start to realize, like, it's not an indictment on me. Mm -hmm. Some people are just not ready for a relationship Mm -hmm. with me. And and, then be able to say that neutrally, right? Yes. Not like, because I'm better than. No, I'm just me. Yes. And when I can like settle and rest, and part of this is like, my body is like, yeah, keep talking, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I can settle and go like, you know what? There are people in this world that I don't want in my home. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily have to dislike them. The I'm not talking about people that I have opposing views from or who are unsafe. No, I'm talking mm-hmm. about people who are fine. I just don't mm-hmm. want them in my house. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to have to engage with them on a regular basis. And they're fine people like mm-hmm. I can be relatively neutral it's not that I don't like them but I don't choose to engage my personal space with them and it's helping my my little's realize that people get to feel that way about us sweetie yes and and that's okay and yes. and when we start to go like this is me and I do like me so self love that is awesome right and mm-hmm. I I grew in that but do I like myself and I do like myself I like me and And once I can get there it's just like you know what people get to have preferences and that's okay
1: yeah and liking yourself and loving yourself in this world you know of racialized capitalism and patriarchy and all the things white supremacy that is radical like that is an act of freedom and something that came up for me while you were talking was uh, I really relate because I I grew up a domestic violence survivor. I grew up with an abusive dad. Everything in my life was oriented towards making someone else feel good. And whatever day my dad was having, that was the day that we were gonna have. Mm -hmm. Um, And then coming in, uh, I immigrated to the US 107. And I was socialized to assimilate as quickly as possible and become the model minority. And so um, when your whole orientation it's towards like justifying your existence and being at the service of others and all of your life experience, all the rewards you get is for fulfilling that role and not being authentic. I think it is a radical act of freedom to just be yourself and say, hey, like my younger self, my child, my teenage self, I have those parts too, Shonda, that are like, but I want them to like us. And I'm thinking, but at what cost? When I, when they signal to me, they don't wanna be around them and I like heard because you can't handle me at my authentic truth, then that's freedom of like, I don't have to enter that oppressive space. Thank you for telling me. And so it's really interesting. I, when I was younger, I thought freedom w- was just the ability to do whatever I wanted, think whatever I want, say whatever I want, whenever I wanted. And now I've been on this spiritual path where I'm like, actually, a lot of limitations can lead to freedom. How can I see limitations and choices that are t- seemingly taken away from me? how can I find freedom in that? And if I am not welcome in a space, thank you, because I don't want to be in another oppressive space where I have to pretend. And that frees up my time and energy to be on my own or with others who can authentically be with me in community. And so then it becomes a gift. You get to give the gift of who you are to people who are ready to receive it. It is not forcing it down someone's throats or giving it to someone who's going to take it and throw it in the trash. So good. So good. And when you were talking, I thought
0: one of the, I think biggest factors, at least right now that I'm experiencing within freedom is choice. It, I don't think I, realized how little or infrequently I experienced choice Mm -hmm. growing up or before. So um, across a multitude of things, right? So let's take clothing. The process for shopping for clothing was going to a store. And the first thing is just don't even look at the clothes. Look at the size. Do they even have my size? And if they do have my size, then you look at the price tag. Can I afford it? And then mm-hmm. you narrow it down. It wasn't go in and say, ooh, what do I like? Ooh, what do I want? Right. You know, it wasn't until very recently in life that the cars I drove were because I want that car, like the mm-hmm. car we're driving. Now I said, you know, it was, we got it when the twin, I was pregnant with the twins and I'm like. I need I want this. These are the characteristics. What cars have that characteristic? This is the one I want. And we went and got it. And the feeling in going, I chose this because before it was like, what can you afford? You don't pick the color, like whatever color, whatever the hand me down, whatever it was. Uh And I felt the same about relationships. I don't get to choose anyone who's willing to tolerate me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in relationship with them. I don't right. get to choose how I'm treated. I don't get to choose, you know, what identities they have. So I'm reflected. Girl, you better take what you can get. I lived a mm-hmm. life of take what you can get. And yes. don't you dare like complain about it. You should be grateful. So part of freedom is I can choose. Like there's a thing where just because someone wants to work with me doesn't mean I have to work with them. Mm -mm. I get to choose. And if I am willing to note that that aspect of choice is is one of the greatest parts of my freedom right now, I don't get to restrict other people's freedoms by insisting they have to include me. Mm -hmm. Right? We get to mutually be free talk myself through this as we're going which feels really Mm -hmm. good right like my body feels a little different and this narrative of we were excluded now I want to be clear we were Mm -hmm. that that doesn't change but how I feel about that exclusion Mm -hmm. is shifting even as I talk they get to choose Mm -hmm. they they really do and they did choose and them choosing it's not their responsibility for me to be okay Mm -hmm. with their choice that is none of their business. But this mm-hmm. is why I'm saying it out loud and I'm demonstrating it because I think mm-hmm. sometimes folks don't get it. I This is my work to do. Mm-hmm. I'm theirs. I, yes. I don't have to go to this group of people. I don't need to make them feel bad. I don't even have to voice what I'm experiencing to them because this is my work to do. It is all of my parts that are activated based on historical experiences that are showing up. And it is Mm -hmm. not anyone else's experiences to manage and help and soothe my parts. It's mine. And so if I choose not to work with someone and they feel a certain way, that's not my responsibility. That is their work to do. Now, where I have to be honest, is I have to go and what are the factors? I don't, not necessarily justifying, but I got to be honest with myself. What are the factors? Mm-hmm. But the factors that are um, impacting my choice not to engage or be in relationship with someone are based on my perceptions of them that have been funneled through oppressive systems. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to go because of their race or because mm-hmm. of their gender expression or because of their right. sexual orientation or because of their ability. Oh, now, now that's still my work to do. Because mm-hmm. I have those narratives, but when it comes to my authentic self does not mesh well with your authentic self Mm-mm. that that's a choice we get to make and and we don't we don't have to um have shame around our choices, but we do have to be honest and say like at the core core of this thing where 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 am I basing this choice from, And if we let our littles and our parts make all of our choices. Well, they they gonna, they're going to be riddled with oppression because we were we were culturized yes. and socialized in these oppressive narratives,
1: yeah, absolutely. And so I think I'm also getting clear in this conversation that the liberation that I'm after for myself and as the collective is not is that choice at the appropriate choice points, because we don't get to choose everything, right? But you are, when someone excludes you, you have been conditioned. And I relate to this. I react the same way of being like, what's wrong with me? What could I change to please them, change their mind, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And then when I step back and say like, okay what is this space about is my energy matching with theirs they clearly told me that they don't want me around why am I trying to get like into this community when I push past the default conditioning and I build new neural pathways and new skills and develop a new set of choices for myself of like I'm allowed to feel a certain type of way but I don't need to circle back and engage with these folks because that's my work to do like a new option just appeared on the menu and I feel like and then whether I get to engage in that or something else and doing it intentionally for me that's liberation And so what you're talking about is when something happens to us, like we don't get to choose, that's their choice point. They decided to exclude you. We don't know why they're making those choices. I don't know if they're doing it in freedom or through gut social conditioning, but it doesn't matter because as the recipient of it, you're asking yourself, okay, how do I not just do a knee jerk reaction and have the same story play out. What do I want the story of my life to be here in this moment moving forward? And I think the story that you and I are cultivating is like, it is okay for people to say no to us just as it's okay for us to say no to other people. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me or them. It's just not a match. And it creates an expansion there. It creates opportunity for our time and our energy to go to the things that are important to us instead of the stuff that just burns up energy and fuel and just creates more pollution in yeah. our lives and our, th- our world.
0: Agreed. And do you know how freeing it is to know that like billions of people don't have to like me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, we don't have time
1: for 7 billion people.
0: Like, now it's like, oh, yeah. It's actually freeing to know that, like, I don't have to, what what used to be, oh, my God, how am I going to please everyone? Then it's like, no, that, that's actually not even the option here. The other thing that came to me as you were talking is I work with a lot of folks who look at patterns, or I would say patterns, but look at repeated incidents And then that furthers the indictment on themselves. And the way I'm looking at it is think about the things that you have procedural memory over, like tying your shoes, perhaps, or driving to a certain location. Sometimes I go from my house to my office and be like, oh, my God, I hope I obeyed all the traffic signals because that was the most mindless (laughs) driving I've ever done. Like, I don't even know Uh how I got here. I'm just pulling into the parking spot. How did I get here? It's so procedural. Well, we don't deepen our procedural memory without practice and so every time I'm not chosen is an opportunity for me to practice going and that's okay mm-hmm. and that's okay all of a sudden things that don't require as much effort or energy or even in cognitive attention this can become one of those things that it's like oh right people get to choose who they choose and what I am finding is that There are people who are choosing me that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. There are people who are coming into my life and who want all of me, not in an extractive way, Mm -hmm. not in a what can I get from you, but they want to give me all of themselves and they are ready and open for all of me. And Mm -hmm. that feels like such a foreign thing. It's becoming, again... Mm -hmm. more more regular, I guess. But to know that I only gave people portions of myself, the portion of myself I thought they would like, to come into some relationships where people are like, take up all your space, use all of your volume. And sometimes taking up all the space I want to take up means that I do get small. Because it's okay to be small sometimes. It's not okay for systems and people to make me feel like my only option. It's to be small, but I will crawl up into a ball under a cover in a minute. And that's okay. Right. Right. Use all of my voice means I can scream from the mountaintops. It also means I get to be silent. And I had positioned myself in a space where people wanted my voice so much, but when I wanted to be quiet, they didn't like it or they couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, you want my voice. But what about when I'm tired? What about when I just want to be quiet and silent? Can that be okay? So that's what I mean by my full self, how I'm showing up in the moment. Um, And when I spend less effort and energy trying to be places where the environment, the people or the community has suggested it's not a good fit, I can reserve that and put it into the places, community and people Hmm. who are for me at this moment.
1: And when that shifts... It's okay. Yeah. So limitations as freedom and still being able to see an expansive set of choices within the limitations and constraints we face in our lives. And then, again, choice to be intentional about when we're going to be quiet and when we're going to be loud or somewhere in between. And not having the expectation from others and us meeting to constantly fulfill that expectation. I think ultimately what we're talking about is reclaiming the wholeness that we're born with, Mm -hmm. because we're split up into so many parts. And I think something I've really had to face in my personal liberation journey is as much as suffering and trauma I came into into the world as a child as I grew into adulthood I realized that I was perpetuating those through the choices that I was making and part of that choice the other side of authenticity and this is not from like a evil place but just a place of wanting to survive there was a lot of duplicity and multiplicity in the ways that I showed up. Because as a domestic violence survivor, I was a pathological liar for the first 18 years of my life. I pretended to the outside world that my family was good Mm -hmm. because there was shame and silence around it. And when that becomes your whole world, it becomes really easy to enter spaces and shave parts of yourself off. I never lied In a sense of making stuff up that wasn't there, but I lied by omission. Mm -hmm. And this was a trait and skill that I took into so many places. And then I came away empty, feeling like, what, but what about me? Like I'm living life. I'm in, I'm I have a career, I have friendships, I have relationships, but like none of this is filling me. And I had to go on a deep personal journey to realize, like, how am I not whole? How am I split up? How am I fragmenting myself? And so it's terrifying taking that first step into wholeness and admitting something like I'm a domestic violence survivor when your family does not want you to tell that narrative.
0: Mm. Mm. So real.
1: I... Thank
0: you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I I I recognize how my body experienced your sharing that, and I I know factually that that part specifically is going to speak to some people who either will find resonance in it because they are aware of it, or some people who are literally going to stop and their mouth is going to open and go like, "Oh my god," right? Lying was the survival skill that I needed Mm -hmm. to be safe. Why we would expect to have perfected certain skills and then think that they're just going to go away because Mm -hmm. we've shifted environments. It's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And it gives, I think, words and permission for people to have compassion and -hmm. curiosity with themselves instead mm-hmm. of the judgment and hatred that often comes with these things. So that, oh my God, that was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful. I realized that I don't want to stop talking mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and we might not, but I'm going to stop recording at some point, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so much. What a beautiful conversation. Oh my God. And embedded in this, this is a, this is exactly what our cohort was like like oh we're gonna go into the depths and then literally after nine months be like I don't even know where you live where do you live <laughs> in? what do you act like what's your title like what do you do for work like we right. don't know so I, I want people to at least know <laughs> how does your labor of love show up occupationally mm-hmm. in the world
1: yeah thank you so um right now I'm the founder and CEO of Rosalie Consulting and I provide coaching and consulting to individuals and organizations that are social change in the business of social change. So I work with a lot of folks in nonprofit and philanthropy, um, but also some artists and entrepreneurs, anyone who's out uh, value values aligned for the same causes towards social justice and collective liberation. Um, so I provide individual leadership coaching. And we're doing a lot of what you and I talked about is some of the work that I'm engaged in in coaching. And then on the consulting end, I do a lot of facilitation of teams so that people can participate more authentically, because I think that the challenges of our times require innovation. And for all of us to show up authentically and not do the same old, same old, like, yes, evidence-based practices are great, but somebody pioneered those like way before scientific researchers came and documented like how much of this variable changes like this all came from our ancestors practices and so um i want folks to know that they can show up as themselves and not just be behind the work and showing up more powerfully impacts the collective more powerfully so that's what I'm up to right now. I love that. And I I sometimes struggle when
0: people ask, well, what is liberatory coaching, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So if you you want to get a, a, like if that still doesn't make sense, go and listen to the episode with Damon and Sarah and I. Mm-hmm. Listen to Cecily and I. Listen to Sage and I. Listen to Hetty and mm-hmm. I. Like we are embodying and living what liberatory coaching is. Mm -hmm. in a way that makes it very difficult for us to put into words um but Hetty, I have so much gratitude for the individual personal work that you're doing and the collective leadership the leadership of the collective that you're ushering in by way of just being yourself um so much love for you if folks heard something that Intrigue them, they want to reach out to you, they want coaching from you. How can people find you and get in touch?
1: Yes. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Hedy Nam, H E D D Y N A M, and my email is Hedy at rosalee.org, R O S A L E E dot O R G. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. You can search me at Hetty Nam. I think I'm the only one on there. <laughs> I
0: love it. So again, the fact that you took time out of your day to just share yourself with me and with my listeners, I have so much gratitude. I love you so much. And I'm so grateful that you were here with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Shonda, for having me. Um, I'm just honored by this invitation. I got so much out of this conversation. It's nourishing. I'm going to take it with me on my journey. And I just want to um. Thank all your listeners, and just know that uh, just keep persevering on mm-hmm. your journey.
0: Absolutely. So, y'all, same spiel. Trey Angel does my music. Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media is my producer. I love them, and I thank them for their partnership and collaboration. I thank you all as my listeners for collaborating with me, for for tuning in and being with me. If you want to support my work via the pod, the work in the podcast. All the other things I have going on. Don't forget I have a Patreon. You can head over to Patreon. uh, Labors of Love to find ways to support me. And get Patreon specific content. If you haven't already. Written a review. Or shared the podcast with a friend. Or given us that five star review. Please do so. Um, It's just helpful. You know how awesome it is. Share this awesomeness with other people. And don't forget that we're on all the major social media outlets. Would love to engage with you there. Until we connect again. You all be well.